Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast with Elizabeth Chapel, where every week we dive into how you can turn your craft into a successful career. Get ready to have the career you've always dreamed of. Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of the Craft to Career Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Chapel, and I am so excited about this episode. I have invited a copywriter to come and share some tips on how your words actually can make a huge difference on how much you sell, the success that you have. But before we dive in, I want to read a review from one of our listeners, Christine at Modern Stitch. Her title is You Need to Listen. She says, I absolutely love this podcast. I've been dreaming of starting a creative business, and Elizabeth does such an amazing job covering a variety of topics without being overwhelming. I always leave this podcast feeling inspired. Plus, she chooses great guests. It is fun to listen in while I'm sewing. It feels like I'm sewing with friends. Christine, thank you so much for this review, and I'm really excited about your creative business that you're wanting to start. I hope we get to work together in the future and I can see what you're dreaming up and make that come a reality. And now let me introduce you to Danny Page, today's guest and copywriter. All right, Danny, thank you so much for being on the Craft to Career podcast. I guess just to start things off, can you tell us where you're from and what you do? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So exciting. Mm -hmm. So I am from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Actually, I'm in a very small town outside of Calgary, a little lake town. Um, And I am a copywriter. I'm a launch copywriter. Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird word. I'm happy to explain what the word copywriter means if you'd like. Yes. And if you can, because I have before said like, I need to work on the copyright and someone's like, oh no, it's copywriting. So tell us the difference. For sure. Like the word copyright, I think people think of lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a totally different ballgame. You do not want me to be your lawyer. So I am a copywriter. It's got the word writer in it. So, and, and it is totally a weird name, but essentially it's sales writing is what it is. So it's the act of writing words that motivate people to take action. So to click something or to buy something. And every business needs some sort of copy, copy being just like words on paper. So you write copy for your emails, you write copy for your sales pages, you write copy for your website and your Facebook ads. And when you can write that copy in a very specific way with like techniques and formulas, that's called copywriting. So great copywriting happens when the words that you've written compel people to take action. So to opt in for your webinar or to purchase your offer, you know, or to buy your packages or that, that sort of thing. So that is what copywriting is. And, and yeah, that's what I do. I write those words to get people to take action. Nice. And I mean, just for the listener, if they're thinking like everyone can write, if we just take a second and think about an email or, or an ad or whatever that we saw that was a little repulsive or felt really salesy where we're like, Oh, or desperate or whatever. And then think of another email where you got that. And you're like, I need that. Oh my goodness. I need it now. How do I sign up? That's the power of the words. And I found you through Instagram. So I, Okay. Long story short. Well, long story longer. I took Amy Porterfield's course. She introduced us to Zafira as Zafira as a copywriter. And I think the two of you are friends because she mentioned you and that's how I found you and your Instagram page 
is chock full of valuable content that is really good. And I was like, I need you on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So, um, how, how does one become a copywriter? Do you go to school for that? Is it a born thing? Yep. Nope. I totally not linear at all. The the way I found my way into it, I feel like I stumbled in. Um, so I was, I guess, living abroad at the time and came back home. I knew I needed to find one of these like real jobs. Right. And so I did what I thought I was supposed to do. And, you know, I got my business degree and went and worked corporate And it was not for me in the least, just (laughs) was not my style. And a coworker at the time told me about digital marketing in general. And so I kind of like fell into this world of digital marketing. And um, I actually just kept seeing the word copywriter. People were looking for a copywriter. I didn't even know what it meant. And but it had the word writer in it. And I was always interested in writing. So I kind of just, you know, I'm like, there might be something here and kept digging into it. And I knew that was absolutely my calling. And I gave myself six months to understand it and learn it and was able to quit my corporate job and just kind of ran with it. And definitely the best decision I could have ever, ever made for myself. I, I feel like I have a dream job. I get to work with just the coolest entrepreneurs and get to learn all about their businesses and help them really bring their genius to life as well. That is cool. So if there's someone out there who's thinking, I want to do this, like, do you offer how how does one go about learning yeah and, and and it is absolutely not a born skill by any means um anyone can learn it um it's just about understanding you know the formulas and understanding how to talk to people um there are i help actually i have a program with sales pages that's kind of my bread and butter i definitely have sales page prep school that I help people with. Um, So absolutely. One of the things that, like you mentioned about my Instagram account, my goal is to really um, just demystify and really um, de-scary, which isn't even a word, um, (laughs) but the whole fact of copywriting, because you do not need to go to school to learn it. Um, It's something that any entrepreneur can learn. I'm a big, big believer in, I mean, well, okay. I went to college I hope my kids go to college. Right. But there's a part of me that's like, but why? Cause like you can do so much without. So I'm a big, big fan of like, you can do what you want, you know, and the tools are out there. And yeah, it's funny. Like I, I don't believe I, I mean, I did go to school for business, so it for sure helped me. Um, but I, in a weird way, I think that every wrong turn, like even at my corporate job, it was that coworker who introduced me to this whole world. So I do believe that every step did lead me here. Um, so yeah, I guess that all kind of works out in, mm-hmm. in the end. Definitely. So I'm curious, how do your customers generally find you? So I, um, I, I feel like I do things a little bit differently, I guess, because I don't market on, like, I don't have a podcast. I don't have a YouTube channel. Um, I don't do like weekly blogs that everyone says to, which are very, very great advice. (laughs) Um, But what I typically do is I am very focused on my list. So my customers typically find me through my email list. Um, I have a very engaged group, not big list by any means, but I definitely have a a very engaged audience. And that's usually how they they come work with me one-on-one is after being on my list and hearing from me every week. And how do they find your list? Do you have like opt-ins or... Yeah, I try to put my opt-ins, I mean, wherever possible, even on like my one-on-one emails, in my signature, in my Instagram, I'm talking about it. 
Um, if I'm doing collaborations, if I'm doing trainings, I will, I will mention it. Um, so it's kind of like that door in. And then once people are in, I just nurture them along the way through my emails. I love it. So you, I love this because you don't have, from what I'm hearing you say, you don't have this huge following, huge presence, but however, you have a successful business mm-hmm. from the small number. I love that. That's yeah, awesome. I, and I, I think it's, I mean, it's quantity over quality for me, right? I have a smaller list, but very engaged list for sure. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So when you work with someone, you've mentioned that you focus a lot on sales page. What What's a typical job for you with a customer? So I do something called launches. So I'm a launch copywriter. So, and I can define the word launch too. I, I feel like our whole world is gets very technical sometimes. Okay. So it's good to explain these words, but a launch. Yeah. If you have like a new program or a new offer, you often want to launch it instead of just like posting it to your website. Cause you're not going to get a lot of traction traction that way. So I help my clients with their launches. So really just creating that buzz around their new offer, building up their audience. And then we open the doors. We typically open the doors for like a certain amount or amount of time. We enroll as many people as possible during that dedicated time before we close the doors again. So that is a, what a launch is. So I, I help my clients with Um, I mean, there's so much copy when it comes to a launch, definitely sales pages are kind of my hub. So sales pages, those very long scrolly pages that have all the information about the product, um, you know, um, all their hesitations and objections and what they might be feeling. So I help with a lot of sales pages and then the emails that go out in between during those launch campaigns as well. So I'm curious, have you ever worked with someone where you were like, you know, this isn't working out. We're going to have to cut ties. Mm, I love that question. I do. Um, I do actually have like an application process to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, there's definitely been clients I've worked for that. I don't know a ton about them. So I actually, it's funny. Um, I had a weaving client who came in and she was lovely and I really wanted to work with her. And I put myself in the library for like three days before working with her just to really understand her product because there's so much that goes into actually knowing what you're writing for. You can't just make this stuff up, right? You really have to understand your clients. Um, so yeah, I do have a application process just to make sure that I know enough about your area to be able to write for it. That is smart. And in the application process, are there any personality triggers like that you ask questions (laughs) like, Ooh, that's a red flag. I might avoid that. Or Uh, yeah. I mean, I love that. I I feel like it's just typical human stuff. Like if Mm -hmm. they're, uh, I don't know, like, I don't like the word nitpicky, but if they're on me about every little detail or, um, you know, how many will I get a whole week of revisions or can I email you and like, if they're wanting to reply in the middle of the night, this sort of thing, I think would be a great red flag. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'll jump on a call with them beforehand too, and just make sure we jive, um, make sure it's someone that I kind of just want to hang out with. And then I know that that's a really good sign. Nice. So if there, is there any like consistent things that you see across the board that you, you would love to just tell people, Hey, this is a common thing you could avoid with copywriting. Is there anything like that? I I think the biggest area for me, or, you know, the area that I'm always helping my audience with is bringing more personality into their copy. A lot of the time, maybe they feel like what they write doesn't really sound like them or sounds like a little bit blah. So yeah, people in general, general, they 
they don't want to buy from boring, rigid brands, right? We want to know who that person is behind their brand. So it's really important to let your, you know, your personality come out. So it feels like we're actually doing business with a, a person rather than just like a faceless corporation. So, so yeah, I think helping people pull out their personality uh, and writing copy that feels more like them is probably the biggest thing that I'm helping people with. Nice. Can you give an example of what, what that might look like or what it would look like if you didn't do that, you know? Yeah, I think, well, so the biggest thing I, um, that I teach is that we need to kind of unlearn the things that we were taught back in like school or English class, you know, because that type of writing was very proper. It was very, you know, you have to write in complete sentences. You can't use contractions. You, you know, you want to write in third person. So it sounds formal and write very smart, like look up very smart words to use and like the long essay paragraphs, these sort of things. But writing in that way in our online world will absolutely kill your conversions. So instead, you really want to write like how you would talk to a friend, you know, very conversationally. Uh, We actually want to write at like a reading level two to five, um, you know, and definitely use contractions, right? Just more like you would talk rather than so formal, uh, because you want it really easy for people to consume. We're not writing like dissertations here. We're writing, you know, we want it to be very skimmable, very consumable. Um, and in doing so, you know, you will, your personality will come out in that lots more as well. And the skimmable thing. So one of the things I learned from your Instagram feed was if you, well, first of all, to make it easy on the eye. So, um, if you have bullet points, make the first sentence, the shortest, the next Mm -hmm. sentence longer so that it kind of goes in a, I mean, no one can see me as they're listening on this podcast, but it goes kind of like a triangle, you know? Yeah, it is kind of fun to do. It's kind of, it's called copy editing a little bit. So you can kind of rearrange your words a little bit so they're easier to read. Um, And another example would be like, if you have a long title, again, I'm using my hands too here, right? But if you have a long title and one of the words didn't make it and like drop down to the second title or the second line, you would want to break that up so they're more even. So it's not like one long line. And then one word on the other line. Um, So there's a little bit of that going on too. It's called copy editing and these sort of very little tweaks, but they really help with the readability as well. Hmm. That is really cool. And is that some, again, I'm just, I, I love this. So I studied English, right. And it's fascinating, but did you learn this through studying or just trial and error or I, I often just think about how I read things and how I consume it. And like, I look at emails that I do read versus emails that I don't read. And I kind of just put my like marketing hat on a little bit and be like, well, why didn't I read that? So I kind of, I like to take a step back and study that stuff a little bit. Uh, So again, no, I didn't really learn it. It's just, you know, I'm in this market too, and I consume and I buy products all the time. So I kind of look at uh, what I like to purchase and then I apply it to, to my marketing. Which is great for business owners to get in the habit of doing that. You know, when you get an email, really study that and like, do I like reading this? Why don't I? Why not? You know, and study that. Absolutely. Yep. So, um, another thing that I learned from, I think this was from your Instagram. I honestly feel like your Instagram is so chock full of value that everyone needs to check it out. But it Mm -hmm. said in each email that you send out only have one link. And I know in my previous emails, like I just read this a little while ago, but I was having cramming like three, four, even five links per email, hoping that people will, I don't even know what, come back and click. And in my industry, I don't know. I'm trying to think of all the other 
industries as well, it seems like there's more links, you know, that they're saying, check out this, check out this, check out this. So can you explain a bit more about that and all the details of why just one link? Yeah, totally valid question. So the rule, there's a rule of one, I, I say, um, and and I'll totally touch on breaking that rule too, because there's always exceptions for sure. But the rule of one says to only have one link because you never want to give people more than one option or one thing to do. Because when we give people more options, the chances of them clicking all of them or even one for that matter, um, they go, it goes down drastically. So let me give you a real life example because I feel like actually hearing this um, might help. So if I were to say to you, can you go walk to the neighbors and ask to borrow flour? Okay, so I've given you a very clear goal and likely it will get done. Versus if I were to say, can you walk to the neighbors to go borrow flour? And while you're out, uh, once you pass my car, can you check to see if the tire is not flat? And in the back seat, I've got some bags in the car. Can you bring that in as well? So all of a sudden, we went from giving you a very clear direction of going to get the flower to something much more convoluted and really just decreased the chances of any of those things getting done. Um, so that's kind of what happens in when I think about having all these links. So essentially, when there's more links, the likelihood of them getting clicked significantly decreases. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. I actually... And when you just said the likelihood of them clicking even one of the links goes down, yes. I was like, well, I'm just rolling the dice, which link they're going to click, but it's actually, they might not click any. And, and that's exactly it, which is really the most hindering part because that's exactly what we think. But there's a thing called um, inertia with people. And it, it essentially, if you, we get more options, the likelihood is that we're going to choose none of them. So often we're thinking, okay, at least one's going to get clicked, but, um, you know, and I do it too. If I look at an email and it's got five links, so I'm like, well, I don't know which one to click first. Like, do I have to commit to all of these? And like all of these questions come in your head and I just often click none of them. So I'm curious, and I don't know if you have an answer for this, but like just this week, I was like, okay, I want to send an email about three things. And I just chose one and it's been super successful. So I'm really grateful for that advice. Do I, I mean, do I just wait and send another email out next week about the next one or? Yeah. So, and this can kind of go into um, breaking that rule as well. So yes, to answer that question, I would just wait. I would put write a completely separate email. And because every email you want to think, what is the goal for this email? And you want it to be that one thing. So I would break it up into separate emails. Um, but then going, also saying that there, of course, is the the ways that you can break it. It's kind of like you got to know the rule to be able to break the rule sort of thing. So once you know it, um, I will say this rule works best for like sales emails. So if I'm trying to sell something or if I really want you to like sign up for this webinar or like sign up for this, you know, summit or whatever it is, there's that one thing that I really want you to do. That's when that rule is great. But let's say you maybe monthly you want to do like a roundup email and a very like value based email. And maybe every month you want to put together a list of like the top 10 resources you came across that month. That would be a really great opportunity to break this rule because, you know, it's no sweat off your back if they don't check out all of the links. It's not like the be all end all. Um, you kind of just and you can say it too. This is kind of like buffet style. Pick the resources that look best for you. That's a really great opportunity to break the rule. Um, but yeah, if you're looking at a specific sales email, that's when I would just use one link. Okay. I really love that. And it's mm -hmm. also 
fostering that relationship, providing value and content. But again, no skin off your back if they don't click on anything because it's not a sale, you know? Exactly. And I will say too, you can, like, I encourage you to scatter that same link multiple times so it can look like there's multiple links, but they're all just going to the same place, right? You're just still getting them to uh, the same URL. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like that. So let's say I have an email and well, I do actually, I have an email and I'm sending people to go look at, uh, my membership and there's two links that I could give them. One is to the sales page where they can go and read about the membership and then they have to click again to join. But I am hopeful that by reading that they will want to join, or should I use that email as the sales page and have the link go right to where they buy Yeah. So that's a really great question. A lot of that happens. There's a thing in copywriting called awareness level. And so if, if you know, your audience is very aware and very ready to buy. So maybe you've done a lot of pre-launch material. Maybe you've, you know, had a webinar about it already. And you know, these people are like ready and chomping at the bit for sure. You can jump right in. Um, But often people need a little bit more than just a simple email to buy. So more often than not, I think it's safer to put the sales page um, link in the email. Uh, But that's just something good to kind of know in general, the more aware they are, the quicker you can give them the sell, Um, the less aware, the more that they're going to need a little bit more talking to. Right. Um, But yeah, it's a great rule of thumb. Uh, Again, kind of that one link, I would put the sales page in and then it leads them to the sales page and that will do all the selling for you. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Cause I'm always like, if there's one more step, is that less likely for them? You know? Yeah. And, and you want to have people tagged too, right. Is another thing in your email system. So, you know, you know, that they've seen other content before, or maybe, you know, that they were on the webinar. So they would be one of those people who are more aware to purchase. So you could send them the link. So there's um, a little, like a lot of data and stuff that goes into this too, as well. So this, I'm curious if you know, so, okay, I've used three different email providers through the years, started with MailChimp, moved to ConvertKit, and then moved to Flowdesk. And at first people were like, oh, Flowdesk is great. And then I started hearing, well, the more you get into what you're just talking about, Flowdesk is a little limited and Flowdesk does advertise as it's great for beginning and have you worked with people who have Flowdesk and ConvertKit? Yeah, I I do feel like there are limitations. Um, but but the thing is, there's going to be limitations with every single technology. Um, there's no like one and done perfect technology out there. You just mm-hmm. kind of got to find the one that works for you. Um, so I always go in the mindset that it's not going to be perfect, but uh, let's see what it can do and kind of just work around that. Um, but yeah, I've heard great things with ConvertKit. I'm with, uh, active campaign. Um, so they all kind of do what you need to do, but, um, yeah, you also need to think about where your business is because I started with MailerLite and it was perfect for me. Um, I, I, I mean, I eventually did grow out of it, but you don't need to think that you have to start purchasing the software right away. If you're new, right. You, you need to understand what your business needs are and then just kind of find a software that grows with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because having convert kit before I was like, it's a bit too much, but now I'm getting to that point where I'm like, it'd be nice to tag people who, and have different sequences and have them opt out of just the one thing and not the entire list. Exactly. And and that kind of comes with having more offers. Like as your business grows, you're going to have different offers. You're going to have different opt-ins. Um, so that's kind of with the growing, the growing aspect too. Yeah. So if someone is just beginning 
their email list. This is a question I get from students. They're like, okay, I, I keep hearing I'm supposed to send out an email once a week, once a month, but I don't have content to be sharing. So what, what advice do you have? Totally valid. I will say this, this was absolutely me when I first started. I was like, okay, I know I need to grow a list, but what the heck do I send them? I have nothing. I have no links. I have no offers. So my answer to this is that you can still send them value. So often you you don't have to have a link in your email. Like you don't have to send them somewhere. Um, you can send them a very valuable content. So think of examples for your audience here. Maybe you've learned a, uh, maybe they've learned a new technique that they can explain to their email list, or maybe they have a story about a mistake when, you know, they first started, or maybe they have a lesson learned while juggling their craft with, along with their career, you know, these sort of things. Um, so you need to just know your audience and then you can speak to giving them value. And, um, one thing that I want to make note here too, is that you don't need to be like the expert to be able to share something, right? If you have knowledge on a subject, which you absolutely do, um, you can speak to it. So yeah, that would be my advice. Just um, sharing the value that that you already have within you. I, okay. That really resonates with me. I have myself included. I'm kind of a newer quilter as far as how many people have been quilting for so long. And that is a thing with everyone. They're like, I am no expert. However, whatever you do, even if it's not by the book, share that with people. You know, if you've done something, share it. Absolutely. And you really, you don't need to be, um, you know, steps ahead of everyone. You just need to be a step ahead of the person that you're speaking to, right? Yep. I love that. Yeah, I heard that recently and I absolutely love it because no matter where you are, you are a few steps ahead of somebody yep. and they can benefit from that. And then one other thing. So this has been new for me and I'm curious what your thoughts on this. So I have been focusing forever on grow my email list, grow my audience. And I got to a point recently where I was like, I actually don't care if people unsubscribe, which is mm-hmm. very liberating. And I, I don't know if it's because I know people are going to ask, well, that's probably because you've reached a certain amount and you don't care. If I could give someone something, it would be to not care if people don't like your product or unfollow you. Do you have thoughts on that? I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, we want to really attract the the right readers, but at the same time, we do actually want to repel the wrong readers, you know, kind of like um, at the beginning of this interview, how you asked about um, if there's any like red flags with people that I've worked with, that's essentially maybe that's how I like to think about it. Those are probably the people that are unsubscribing. So that is great for them to unsubscribe. Um, And at the end of the day, it costs you money to have people on your list. So it is very liberating to get um, to, yes, you know, graciously say goodbye to the people that aren't the right fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I just sent out an email yesterday about opening up my membership and a lot of people joined and a lot of people unfollowed my list. And it's very liberating to be like, that is totally fine. They don't want what I have to offer. And I don't, then they don't need to be here, you know, cause I am exactly. in the business of sifting out and finding that ideal customer. And it's really liberating when just, just to have that power to like, it's okay. It is okay if they're not here for that, you know? Absolutely. And maybe they came in for a very specific reason that we don't know, but maybe we already gave them that reason and they could be super happy, happy. Be like, thank you, Elizabeth. Um, I, you know, I got what I needed and now it's time for me to leave. So, you you know, they might not be leaving like upset by any means. Um, They could be leaving very happy. 
Mm -hmm. And they might come back. I know there's email Mm -hmm. lists where it served me for a time and then I left. And then later I was like, you know, I could use that again and went back and resubscribed. Totally. It's a great point. Yep. So, okay. What is one business tip that you would share with someone who's a creative entrepreneur? I think it would be kind of going off what we're saying about the email list, really. Like my tip is to start and grow your email list. Uh, It it truly is the ticket to scaling. You, You will, you know, even if you don't have that offer right now, when you do have that offer, you will have an engaged group of people ready to buy from you. Uh, I, you know, I can give a ton of my business success today to having that email list. So it's definitely uh, my big tip for other entrepreneurs as well. And just out of curiosity, so you were able to quit like corporate job and this is what you do full time. Is that right? Yep. And like, it's a healthy income for you just with this email list. It's totally. And it's so funny too. When I, when I was little and I thought about being a writer because I did always like writing, but I had to kind of laugh and I'm like, well, I I don't think you can actually make a career out of it. You got to be like the next JK Rowling and write (laughs) Harry Potter, you know, to, to be successful. And that's not the case at all, because I mean, especially for my um, area being a copywriter, every single business needs um, to write copy. So there, I mean, there's endless work out there in my, my niche. That's for sure. And that is one thing too, especially with the quilting world. I don't know any specific quilting copywriters. So if there's someone Mm, out there listening and this resonates, I'm just going to throw that out there. Such a great point because yeah, you can niche down and get very, very specific with what kind of copywriter you are. Um, brilliant idea. And then I'm curious if you have any examples that you can share of before and afters of some things that you've worked on. Yeah, for sure. So some before and after copy. This stuff I I do find a little bit hard because we can't see it, right? But I'll do my Mm -hmm. best I can here. Um, And I will start by saying too that good copy is written by really understanding your audience because you can you can have something that looks very good, like a title or something, but if it's not meaningful to the audience, it, it doesn't really matter how good the the words look, right? Mm-hmm. Um, something could be very well written, but if it's for the odd, wrong audience, it won't convert. So preface, I preface with saying that like a lot of great copy is just by truly um, understanding your audience very well. Uh, but yeah, let's dig into a couple before and afters here. So a uh, very simple one. Uh, I was working with a systems coach, like a business systems operations, and she had transform your business back end nothing wrong with that at all, but we just made it very more measurable. And now she has transform your business back end in just one day. So now I can see that end in sight. Like if I'm struggling with business systems, I know that there's a way out in one day and it just feels much, much more desirable. So that is like a very, very small tweak, but there's little things that you can do like that um, to make it even more desirable. So there's one. And I really like with that, she's sifting out her ideal customer. Cause for me, I have no idea what that means. I'm like, Beckett, are you talking about like your it, rear, you it, know, totally. like, <laughs> and, and that, that is what it's doing too. It's like, if you don't know, well, perfect. Then that's the person that we're repelling to. Yep. So there's definitely that going on as well. And then here's one more, this is a bit longer one. So before that we started with, this was for a, it was a headline for a sales page. And she had, she came to me with create show stopping raw desserts. So this gives you a fairly good idea that she is in the raw dessert world and teaches people to make beautiful raw raw desserts, right? But it's not speaking to the chef specifically, and that was who we were targeting. 
And it's not speaking to the chefs who are bored with their work. And that was who we were targeting. And it's definitely not speaking to chefs who wanted to go through like a rigorous certification process, which was actually the whole entire point of her course. So it's when I dialed in a little bit um, and, you know, figured out that we weren't actually speaking to that right person. And that's when I was able to pull out a better headline. So again, we started with create show-stopping raw desserts. And so I took that title and after doing all my research, um, I knew who we were speaking to. And now we have go from being hesitant, bored, and uninspired in the kitchen, dot, dot, dot to a confident, empowered, certified chef who creates jaw-dropping raw desserts. Wow. Yeah, so I really took what she had, right, and just kind of up-leveled it and really dialed in um, that headline. So immediately, like, if you are that raw dessert chef, you know, who we're speaking to, this title is really going to land for you. And it's going to resonate. So I'm curious, did she know that that was her ideal customer? She did. And, okay. and that's who she wanted to speak to. Um, but her, her headline just wasn't doing the job. So, okay, I'm going to throw this out there because I see this often with people in, in my community who I am helping and coaching. They, they're not super confident who their ideal customer, they, they like modern quilts. They make modern quilts. Mm -hmm. So do you ever help people like really narrow down what it is they're providing. Absolutely. And like when I do, so I do VIP days is what I call it. And I can like write their whole sales page in a day, but I actually do a full day beforehand of prep work and research. Cause I think research is the number one way to write good copy. So I interview their, you know, their clients, their potential clients, and I actually have sit down conversations with them. Um, so, you know, you could be doing this too, to your clients, you know, it, it's amazing. People are always more willing than we think they are to just hop on a quick 20 minute conversation. So you can start doing research like this yourself. Um, if you have an email list, you can send out, um, you know, questionnaires and ask them, or, you know, even simply like on Instagram, if you get questions, like the same sort of question in your DMs all the time, and that's clearly what people are thinking about and wanting to know. So you can, you know, that's even a, a form of research in itself too. Just wondering, like realizing the questions that your potential client is asking you. And I noticed in the, the title that you just read, she touched on some pain points, like don't be bored. What was it in the kitchen? Mm -hmm. Like, so, yep. Go from being hesitant, bored and uninspired in the kitchen, because that was who she was speaking to is people that they are great chefs already, but they're looking for a little bit more and raw desserts are like a whole other level. Um, so yeah, so that's who we were speaking to on that one. And I feel like any business owner could do the same by asking some questions to their audience. What are, what are you struggling with? And then using those exact words to sell to them, you know, totally. totally. I mean, your audience could swipe this format for a headline, really go from mm -hmm. being whoever they are right now, dot, dot, dot to a, whatever the, the end goal is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a structure of a headline for you. I like that very much. Okay. So to end things, I've got a few rapid fire questions for Ooh, you. Okay. Are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. First one is where did you grow up? I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I, I have lived all, I have lived in the States and the and Europe as well, but I am born and bred in Canada. 
So where in Europe? Okay, this is not rapid fire, but you <laughs> like lived abroad. <laughs> Opposite of rapid fire. Um, I, well, I went to university in Chicago and then I played women's pro hockey over in Vienna, Austria for a few years. What? Okay, mm. that's pretty darn cool. <laughs> it was a very cool experience for sure. I feel like there's a whole nother podcast episode right there. <laughs> All right, number two, what's one thing you're afraid of? Uh, this is kind of sad, probably seeing my parents get older and we, we, you know, it's life. It's kind of funny. I say that, but it is, you know, it's just kind of sad to me. Mm-hmm. I am actually there with you. Yeah. Number three, would you say sweet or savory foods? I'm definitely a sweet tooth for sure. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, number four, what is a favorite go-to book for you? Anything Harlan Coben. I'm a huge fan. He's an author, like a suspense thriller author. He has the best Hmm. books. There's a few. The Woods, Tell No One. Anything he writes is fantastic. Okay, perfect. I'm actually just getting into this genre. I'm going to check that out. And last, if you weren't a copywriter, what would you want to be? Love this question. I always wanted to be a sports analyst, actually, growing up. I thought I was going to. Um, My university just didn't offer it, so I didn't um, end up going that route. Or I will say my sort of niche, like the marketing area, uh, but I would love to be doing it in country music industry. It's very cool. Yep. Very cool. Okay. Mm -hmm. And for our listeners who are here, where can they find you? Yes. So I would love for you to come check me out on Instagram. Like you said, I'm there often. So my handle is dannypage.online, just D-A-N-I-P-A-I-G-E dot online. Um, So that's probably the easiest way to come hunt me down. Perfect. And for those listening, you can click in the show notes. There will be links to her page, Instagram, and her website. And Danny, thank you so much for being on the show. You are awesome. And I learned a few things here. So I know our listeners are going to really appreciate this. Thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. That was fun. Yeah, we'll see ya. Thank you so much for joining Danny and me on this episode of the Craft to Career podcast. Be sure to leave a review and rate the show, especially if you are wanting to have a business coaching call with me, a one-on-one coaching call. I am opening this up again. I did for, if you want to go back and listen to episode 11, I have a coaching call with Casey Cometti and episode 13, I have a coaching call with Aaron Grogan. And I am going to be offering another free coaching call to a creative business owner. And all you have to do to apply for that is to leave a review and rate the show. And you are entered to have the coaching call with me. So be sure to do that. Also, come back next week where I will have an episode where I'm talking about how to handle when people... You can say throw stones or when people are telling you that what you're doing isn't going to work or, or to the naysayers, anyone who has something negative to say about what you're doing, I am going to be diving into that and talking about that in next week's episode. And this is applicable to anyone, even if you aren't doing a business, it's just applicable to life in general, but especially when you have a small business and you're just starting out or it's growing and there's people who are telling you it's not going to work out or don't do this, don't do that. It can really get in your mind and get in your head. And so I want to be here, cheer you on in your corner. So be sure to come in next week to the craft Your career podcast, and I will be diving into that. Have a wonderful week. I will see you next Friday. Mm-hmm.